This is HR in Review, a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice and all the latest developments in human resource management. Hi everyone and welcome back to the second episode of our new podcast, HR in Review. I'm Monica Sharma, the editor of HR Review, and if you haven't tuned in before, in this short segment, we'll be looking back at at some of the recent standout stories, and we'll be discussing the most relevant topics linked to HR. Each week will be based around a different theme, and this week's is learning and development. Here today, I'm joined by my guest, James Marsh, who many of you will know from hosting HR Review's Inside HR webinars. And in addition to this, James is also a CIPD accredited human resources manager at ethical food and natural product retailer Planet Organic and has responsibility over learning and development within this business. Um, hi, James. Thank you so much for coming on today. How are you doing? I'm really good. Thank you, Monica. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. We're, I'm really looking forward to um, discussing our topic today mm. and hearing your insights. Um, so as I've already mentioned, I'm discussing our topic today mm. and hearing your insights. Um, so as I've already mentioned, the central topic of this week is learning and development. Mm-hmm. And so now as we've kind of passed the one year mark of lockdown restrictions with employees working all over the country, I think L&D is an area which is set to see a lot of changes as hybrid working comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been so many questions raised about how this may look now, uh, you know, now that employees are no longer working in one place, mm-hmm. um, how companies can identify skills gaps if employees are working from home and and essentially how they can keep upskilling staff, which will obviously lead, lead to better talent retention in the long term. Mm. Um, so, so there's a lot to unpack here, James, and I'm sure you'll have some really interesting things to say. Um, so I wanted to talk about our, our first piece of news, mm. which was research carried out by PricewaterhouseCoopers, which found that of 32,500 people um, work, which meant that they were missing out on vital career advancements or training opportunities. Mm. Um, so to break that down just a bit further, around 13% of this number said that this was due to their race. A further 13% said that they were discriminated against on the basis of class. Um, women were also found to be twice as likely to report gender-based discrimination at work, which stood in the way of their training. Mm. Um, and, I, and, and I guess another key element, which I think a lot of people overlook, is um, you know employees given being given the chance to do further training based on the current level of qualifications that they have. Mm-hmm. So the study showed that almost half of people with postgraduate degrees said that their employer gives them, you know, many opportunities to improve their digital skills. However, when school leaver, uh, people with school leaver qualifications were were asked the same question, only just over a quarter reported having the same experience, which mm-hmm. ultimately reported having the same experience, which mm-hmm. ultimately shows a lack of inclusion. Mm-hmm. So I think James, obviously, this really isn't an ideal situation for the workforce. Um, You know, training and upskilling is seen as a route to improving career prospects. And to know that many marginalised groups are missing out is is a really worrying thing. Absolutely. In your experience working within L&D, do you think that unconscious bias features a lot? And if so, do you think there's any specific ways that this can be overcome? I mean, it's a huge question. I, I think... 
I think it's it, bias is always a concern, um, mm-hmm. not just for learning and development, but all aspects of the people function within an organization. I think before I answer, we should get in a little plug here because we've got a fantastic mm-hmm. webinar coming up right. next week yeah. with uh, Inside HR, um, it, which is our partners at Thomas International. We're going to be looking at almost exactly mm-hmm. this topic. So I'm really, really looking forward immensely to talking about that with them. But I think mm-hmm. right, so it exists within all of us and I think every organization has a a duty to encourage a healthy conversation within your business to find a way to mitigate it um mm-hmm. at planet organic we just we've just finished the diagnostic stage of a process uh we're going yeah. through working with a specialist consultancy um I'll give them a little plug as well because they're 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 wonderful um they're <laughs> called the e, they're called the EW group and we've been working with them mm-hmm. um that's uh sort of a really all-encompassing project looking at how we can improve the diversity and inclusion within our business and and mm-hmm. unconscious bias and unconscious bias training yeah. was a major recommendation within that um mm-hmm. and it fits within our wider lnd strategy we, we, we talk about a lot particularly within our management and leadership development we encourage our people to develop their decision making and to understand what contributes to the decisions they make and right. you know you know from from the you know, you know from from the article that you you put together on HR Review, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a huge body of research generally, as well as consistent feedback within Planet Organic about the value employees place on learning and, and development at work. Um, mm-hmm. And so, an awareness, an understanding of unconscious bias and how that might manifest can only help people learn and develop. So, mm-hmm. I think that's really important. The idea that marginalised groups are continuing to miss out on development opportunities in organizations in this country for me I find that still really disturbing um mm-hmm. I know so the the stats you mentioned there were the, the the sort of the three key areas were around race around yeah. class and around gender yeah um all of sort of those those marginalized groups saying they had less access to development if we if you park the morality of that for a second, I know, that, I know that's not easy, but let, let, let's yeah. let's park park the morality of park the morality of that for a second. Mm-hmm. It simply doesn't make any sense that businesses aren't tapping into the potential of all of their workforce equally. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's a huge missed opportunity economically before yeah. you even get into the sort of the social equity and the morality of that. So, mm-hmm. and and for me, I find it difficult to sort of. I think we're beyond debating that developing the broadest range of talent from the broadest range of backgrounds, experiences, perspectives produces the best results. I think everyone within learning and development and anyone listening to this who works within a people functional works, specifically within learning and development, accepts that to be true. We know that that's true. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I guess that's quite frustrating to sort of see that feedback. And, and also just as a sort of an aside for what it's worth, I know that there was the publication of a report from the a commission set up by the government yeah. to examine racial and ethnic disparities in our society mm-hmm. in general this week. And it sort of yeah. seemed to question the existence, particularly helpful, <laughs> See, either. That's, that, that's a point that I wanted to raise, actually. I think a lot of people were quite shocked when <clears throat> that report was released. And the fact that they kind of encouraged organisations to scrap unconscious bias training because I I am aware that that was something the civil service did at the end Mm, of last year mm. and now the fact that they're also just encouraging organizations all around the UK to you know scrap 
unconscious bias and and actually it was really interesting the recommendation that they made they said that training and skill support should be made available for all employees regardless mm. of their background which is obviously true but they said that approaching it in this way in a more general sense could help to benefit more disadvantaged groups like did you have any thoughts on that oh That's well quite different yeah Follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Unconscious bias can only be tackled in organisations where there's an acceptance that institutionalised discrimination and disadvantage exists. And and it's existed for a long, long time. Now, um, what this commission, and I I haven't read the full report, obviously, only the the sort of the excerpts only came out yesterday. um, But there was a pretty swift response in the media Mm -hmm. from pretty much everybody about (laughs) it. Um, so I've, I, I won't I won't claim to have read the report. I haven't yet, but from what mm-hmm. the, from the media coverage, it just doesn't feel particularly helpful to challenge that idea that institutionalized and, and, we, and this specific area was talking about racism. But mm-hmm. you know, the article that you referenced talks about all kinds of discrimination. Right. It's it doesn't seem to make much sense to to question the existence of that. I think I think we know that it exists. Mm-hmm. I think we know it's still a problem. I think um if I was part of one of those groups, I would be pretty angry. Um yeah. so groups I would be pretty angry. Um yeah. so so I, I whether we, you can have a separate debate about whether unconscious bias training the formulation of that how that works and whether that's effective you can have a debate about that for sure um but the concept Mm -hmm. of scrapping it and sort of you know sort of throwing up your hands and saying well there is no way of challenging this therefore you know we need to look at doing something totally different i i don't Mm -hmm. know about that I, i i know that in planet organic we are committed to exploring unconscious bias and unconscious bias training Mm-hmm. um and and that's that's something that came through a, a recommendation that for through this diagnostic uh process that we went through from a, mm-hmm. a consultancy that they and they they still firmly believe that we should be paying real attention to unconscious bias and right. and trying to develop a conversation where it's not a defensive one it's not an accusatory one it's not mm-hmm. something that we should feel guilty about it's something that we should just and and look to mitigate and work with as as much as we can yeah, I do want to say that I think there was kind of a, a silver lining to this research, um, which showed that most employees really do have a desire to continue learning. And I think the pandemic has brought that out. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, two fifths of employees said that their digital skills have, have been improved throughout the prolonged period of lockdown. And then almost four and five, so 77% said that they were ready to learn new skills or completely retrain. Um, so as we kind of mm. touched upon, mm. I guess, earlier, how how do you think that L&D will change now as a result of the pandemic, especially with, you know, new new work models that may come about? Mm. Well, I'm definitely in that two-fifths. <laughs> my, my digital skills have improved dramatically in, in, in the last year or so. Um, I, I think at first, before we talk about this, I guess mm-hmm. the the pandemic has been yeah. an enormous, dark, stormy cloud, right? It's it's caused huge disruption mm-hmm. to all aspects of our society, to our economy, and yeah. we shouldn't mar- minimize that. That that's that's really important to acknowledge. However, mm-hmm. I must, as a learning and development manager, yeah. there are there are some huge silver linings. Um, you know, one of the things organizations focus on a great deal is 
providing training on how to manage change, on resilience, on managing under pressure. Um, The pandemic has, I mean, speaking for the managers Mm -hmm. that I I work with at Planet Organic, it's it's brought out these skills in amazing ways in our managers. I've been blown away by their strength, Mm -hmm. their resilience, their adaptability, and there is no training or development program that could have recreated the scenario that we've been in over the last year and I have to say the staff at Planet Organic and and, and the, I have to say the staff at Planet Organic and and the, and the managers the departmental managers mm-hmm. our, our duty managers as we call them um and our store managers um have just uh, honestly mm-hmm. amazed me with with their skills and the way that they've applied themselves obviously we're a food business so yeah. we've been we've been open the whole time um, you know, and, and, and in very, very challenging circumstances with periods where restrictions were changing almost every day um, and they have responded magnificently. And I think there's no mm-hmm. training program I could have put in place that would have given mm-hmm. them what they've got out of this year. Um, it's also really unlocked mm-hmm. a lot of creativity within our teams. Um, I had a couple of um, meetings over the last couple of weeks with um, our buying team for our health and body care product range. They've they've used a platform we've brought right. in to deliver virtual learning sessions. They've been live mm-hmm. streaming yeah. stuff into the stores, mm-hmm. uh, creating knowledge hubs, knowledge hubs, um, getting all the store teams to access content, including from their suppliers. They brought in suppliers to do training, um, often just by you know setting up a mobile phone um, on a on a tripod in a store and cut and mm. sort of live streaming it to all the other stores um it's been amazing so so yeah it's and and i know that there'll be lots mm-hmm. of other teams in the business that are looking to follow suit so they've really embraced technology i mean retail is traditionally a relatively low-tech industry but we have really made the most of what we're mm-hmm. starting to make the most of what we've got and 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 and, and it's been forgive the pun <laughs> but it's been quite organic as well um it's it's not been mm-hmm. something that's been led by me sort of top down it's been something that where so for example the health and body care team it was a it was um, a junior buyer that came to me and went uh james we're right. thinking about doing this what do you think and i went that's and i just Amazing. went that's magnificent yeah. how can i help you know, uh, with it. And, 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 and you really start to see this stuff coming from within mm-hmm. the store teams, from within buying teams, from within finance teams and ops teams. They, they are starting to adapt a really creative mindset to their mm-hmm. own learning and to the learning of their teams. Um, and that has been incredibly inspiring um, uh, to watch. And, and I think it's really moved learning and development on for us significantly in a way that and it's also I mean it's been great because obviously it's it's uh the stuff that we talked about before the pandemic that I was struggling to get approval and budget for that suddenly came very very quickly once once we weren't allowed to do Mm -hmm. things in the way that we always used to so now I have to say like I say we we must acknowledge that that the pandemic's been incredibly difficult for a huge number of people but as a learning and development manager it has been it's Mm -hmm. been there's been some really nice aspects as well some really encouraging I think I think that's really interesting because a lot of um interesting because a lot of um businesses have kind of been discussing resilience as a topic and you know like you said I think so many Mm. companies will not have been trained for this and and it's kind of unleashed this whole new technological revolution it's it's unleashed this whole wave of creativity in Mm. terms of you know different um kind of 
parts of business that that weren't really uh, offered senior buy-in before. Um, I guess I wanted to mm, touch on something mm, that absolutely. you raised, which is that um, you said a lot of uh, your learning and development turned virtual. There was like live streaming. I was going to ask your opinion on on how effective you think learning and development will be if employees aren't in the workplace or aren't in the office anymore. Do you think that it will, will change? If you have any comments on the HR and Review podcast, would like to suggest a topic or speaker, or provide other feedback, you can contact us using the email podcast at hrreview.co.uk. We look forward to hearing from you. Um, yes and no. Um, and I know this is a big debate at the moment um, with um, lots of, I know the, the, was it the chairman of Goldman Sachs was has been <laughs> yeah. very vocal over the last few weeks about feeling like their collaboration and creativity, um, you know, is, it will only work if they're all in the same space. I don't necessarily think that's true. Um, I think that there are lots of ways to collaborate and get creative. Mm-hmm. I do think that within that, once we return to, uh, a, a new norm or a normal at least that doesn't include restrictions for a pandemic I, I think that there will still be an important space for physical mm-hmm. collaboration you know people being in a room together and bouncing off each other and, and, and I don't think that that we should you know disregard that I think there's a, yeah. a dimension to that that is very difficult to recreate that said it's mm-hmm. it's 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 only one tool and on your belt and there and there are a huge amount of others that we sort on them but they should remain in the toolbox as well you know Mm -hmm. the live streams the webinars the 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 virtual collaboration uh, tools that there are out there Mm -hmm. I think there is some amazing stuff going on and 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 like I say even in retail uh, which is obviously my industry which is traditionally Mm -hmm. relatively low tech and not necessarily an early adopter mm-hmm. of, of 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 this kind of thing um it's been amazing to watch our teams really embrace it adapt and and mm-hmm. and, and develop in this way and and so yeah i i anticipate a mix of the two coming back and and that's what we're talking mm-hmm. about um in our team at planet um and um yeah i will de- I, I was quite a traditional sort of almost trainer before this i okay. i was delivering classroom based training and and i don't I don't see myself yeah, doing a huge amount of that going now, forward. Um, um, so for I sure, just wanted sure. to kind of continue on that topic. I don't see myself yeah, doing a huge amount of that going now, forward. Um, um, so for I sure, just wanted sure. to kind of continue on that topic, I suppose, of, you know, staff being really eager to continue their training and learning. And I think one group that has been massively Mm. impacted in terms of their career development are young people. So for the second story, I kind of wanted to Mm. cast our minds back a bit to the beginning of March where, um, you know, Chancellor Rishi Sunak announced his budget and a few new measures to help young people during this time. Um, So one element that was announced was Mm -hmm. uh, flexi job apprenticeships, which the government invested £126 million into. And uh, this will essentially allow Mm. workers to work for a number of different employers in a single sector, so give them a vast array of experience. And then on top of this, uh, Chancellor Sunak also announced an increase in the amount of incentives offered to companies to the apprentice. And obviously, this is a slight change mm-hmm. to existing policy, which gave employers £2,000 for hiring an apprentice 
age 16 to 24 and 1,500 pounds for um, hiring an apprentice that are age 25 or over. So on this note, James, I wanted mm -hmm. to bring mm -hmm. you in and ask whether you thought that these measures went far enough to help young people in their career prospects and career development. And if not, what more do you think mm. the government could have added? Oh, I mean, it, that's a tough one because the proof is going to be in the take up yeah. of these flexible programs. Um, I'm, I'm definitely, if I could speak generally, I'm definitely encouraged that the government and the chancellor are placing such an emphasis on mm -hmm. providing employment opportunities in this way. So, um, but the incentives that you mentioned right. will impact different organizations in different ways. Right. So, so for us at planet, they uh, planet mm -hmm. organic, right. So, so for us at planet, they uh, planet yeah. organic, they make quite a difference for us. We're, you know, we're quite, quite a small organization, you know, that, that yeah. 3000 pound incentive is, is useful, mm -hmm. um, is really useful for us with, with, mm -hmm. with a turnover of a company, our size. Um, when you get sort of into the sort of stratospheric amounts that you're talking about with some of the larger multinational corporations, I, I wonder whether that change in incentive will really mm -hmm. change their behavior that much. Um, it's it's tough. I, I think it needs larger organizations to get on board, not just with the sort of the general concept, the framework, but and the levy and the incentives that come with apprenticeships, traineeships, and now the more mm -hmm. flexible version that they've announced in the budget this time. Right. But it, they have to get on board with the spirit of it as well. And and it needs to be used to provide real opportunities, right? Not not just as a fund yeah. to supplement their training budget. Um, and and that's where the, the debate has all been, has been around are people using this in the right way? Um, you know, and, and I think... Uh, planet organic we've we've made a really conscious decision it sort of obviously fits with our sort of ethical brand we, we've made we've made a real conscious decision to try and interpret these incentives these measures and the whole system mm -hmm. in the way that they're intended to try and genuinely provide those opportunities now can it be said that everyone's doing that i, I, I don't think that's true um but where where the proof will be in the pudding is 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 when is 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 the behavior of, mm -hmm. of all organizations in response to this and and the take up of yeah. these of these more flexible options um and so the honest answer is i don't know um which is not helpful i guess but but no it's it's it, it will be it's, it's very difficult to design a one-size-fits-all system that that all that, that encourages mm -hmm. all organizations to behave in the way that you want um so it will be really interesting which on paper sound great you know the idea that you can go and spend a year or, or longer working for multiple mm -hmm. organizations within the same sector picking up different experiences different you know training programs and development opportunities a real sort of you know mul mul mm -hmm. multiple inputs from multiple areas um you know and benefiting from the the institutional knowledge of, of all of more than one organization yeah. that sounds on paper to be fabulous but but we'll see whether it there's actually well, how it works. That's in a really interesting point that you raised there, James, which is that it, obviously it won't be the same for all organisations. And I think a big point of contention for for some people is that they're saying that this should have been mainly focused on 16 to 24 year olds who have seen kind of the largest drop when it comes mm. to employee numbers on the payroll. I think they made up around 60 percent of mm. of, you know, people that were struck off the payroll um, during the pandemic. So I think it was the CIPD who said that shifting, you know, the, um, from for 
encouraging employers to hire young apprentices to now having a fixed cash incentive, no matter what the age of the apprentices could ultimately maybe dissuade some employers from hiring, hiring someone younger or someone yeah absolutely and i think you can yeah i think you can get you i i, I try I, I tend to be quite a political skeptic uh, so i i try very i wonder about the motivation behind the 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 removal of some of those age sort of age related incentives and, and and i and i wonder whether that's because the government are worried about the potential rise in unemployment yeah. when the furlough scheme ends um you know and and that's been extended and extended we've mm-hmm. we, we're now extended until september and i think we're we're all worried about what mm-hmm. unemployment levels might be like when that finishes so my my sort of my my instinct right. is to is to link the two and I, my sort of my my instinct right. is to is to link the two and and say well actually that that's down to the government's worry mm-hmm. about unemployment even though the, I think the CIPD are right, they 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 would like to see those opportunities focused on uh, a demographic, a sort of an area of the population that has been mm-hmm. the most, you know, really badly affected by yeah. this, which is young, which are young people. Um, so yeah, again, it, yeah. it will be interesting to see how that plays, uh, how that plays out. But but no, I I, I agree in sentiment with 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 the CIPD. It, I think the concept of the apprenticeship levy was always about trying to provide pathways into employment for young people who otherwise might find it hard to find them and that's how we are approaching our um, our retail academy apprenticeship at planet organic yeah. that's how a lot of companies are doing it um we're, we're also benefiting from transfer of, of levy funds from from an enormous international um, mm-hmm. publishing and education company called pearson we really view it as a way to provide opportunities for young people to to excel mm-hmm. in areas that they might not have got access to and and so i agree with that general point but i think like i say i think the the government's move there maybe because they're of their sort of ang- mm-hmm. anxiety about what may be to come well, think, later on this year um, you kind of raised the point of the apprenticeship levy which is something i i wanted to delve a little bit deeper into um i think so many mm-hmm. uh different professional bodies involved in, you know, L&D have been arguing for the need to overhaul and restructure the apprenticeship levy to make it really useful. Mm. And I think one of the things that we discussed, James, prior to the webinar is how scathing the CIPD were in their assessment of the apprenticeship levy. They stated that it had failed on every measure and will ultimately undermine investment in skills and economic recovery without significant reform. So I quoted some really, uh, again, quite damning statistics. They said that the total number of apprenticeship starts Mm -hmm. has fallen Mm -hmm. by over 100,000 in the last three years. Um, Similarly, again, on Mm -hmm. on the topic of young people, the number of apprenticeships going to 19 to 24-year-olds has dropped by almost half since uh, 2016. And then despite the levy being introduced mm-hmm. to boost employer investment in apprenticeships, this has actually dropped by £2.3 billion pounds between 2017 and 2019. Um, obviously, this is quite mm. a, a yeah, like I said, a scathing criticism. Do you kind of agree with the CIPD's uh, opinion here, James? Why not subscribe to the premium version of HR in Review? You'll get ad-free content, early and extra episodes and more. Even better, although it's the premium edition, it's absolutely free. Sign up at hrreview.co.uk slash podcast.
Well, I, I wasn't surprised by what they said yeah. or, or by the timing of it, obviously right before the budget. So it's obviously trying to sort of, you know, kick the government into into having a look at this pre-budget. But right. I, the severity of the language did surprise me slightly, I must admit. I mean, it was yeah. really incendiary. It was really scathing. Um, again, for, for sort mm-hmm. of a, for a retailer like Planet Organic, the apprenticeship levies have made a real impact, a real positive impact. It's allowed us to work with training providers that, have really raised the bar of the quality of our training and I'm speaking as the person who was providing it before uh, you know it, it really has raised the bar um you know compared to what I can yeah. provide it, it, it internally um it, it's allowed us to create a program that recruits talented young people from local communities it's allowed us to partner with mm-hmm. larger organizations through yeah. transfer of funds so Pearson I mentioned earlier it's allowed us into sort of um interacting with networks I mean it's obviously we're we're quite London based Mm -hmm. and and so we've we've been working very closely with the London Progression Collaboration. Um, I'm now part of the Ambassador Network for London for Apprenticeships as well, the London Apprenticeship Ambassador Network. Um, So obviously I clearly believe that there's a huge power and potential in apprenticeships and what they can have but yeah it's it's that same issue of that sort of no one size fits all there's definitely evidence that the CIPD is right you know and and the organizations haven't used the levy in the way that it was intended um it's uh the levy isn't doing enough I don't think to provide those real opportunities to to those who might have struggled to access them and 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 I that definitely needs urgently addressing um i also they they made a really interesting point within that about the stat the apprenticeship standards themselves um and and how a lot of the, we have a vast number now you know there's 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 huge numbers a lot of them aren't accredited um by industry bodies or professional bodies um you know if you get industry bodies or professional bodies um you know, if you're going to do an apprenticeship, the qualification you get at the end of it should carry real meaning, real weight. Um, and they should be sort of linked to industry standards as well. And and, and we, we've, we've in the last couple of years, particularly, we've produced a vast number of new standards. And I'm not necessarily sure that all of them provide real quality development opportunities in a consistent way. And, you know, they've got to be aligned to the targets, you know, the industry growth targets, you know, in which that organization operates. And there also has to be an understanding for all businesses. And and, and again, I can only speak for Planet Organic where I work, but we have an understanding that, we're, you know, it is part of our duty to invest in the development of our nation's workforce on the understanding that sort of the concept of sort of a rising tide lifting all boats. You know, we, we all, if you're, if you're a, um, an organization, large or small in this company, in this country, I think you've, you have to recognize that duty to invest in Skyer industry that you work in and the entire economy that we exist in. So, so yeah, I do agree with the CIPD. Absolutely. Um, even though, yeah, I, I was, I, I, the language of that statement really did take me by surprise a little bit. Um, but that's not to say that the apprenticeship levy isn't doing amazing things. And, 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 and there are, you know, for my organization, it's, it's been very, very positive for us. Um, so James, I know you mentioned a bit about, um, we were, we were mentioning reforming the apprenticeship levy. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that something that's been brought up quite a lot is making it flexible. And a lot of employers have said that this could be really useful because then it means they could invest in courses that are not solely apprenticeships, but also benefits. I guess, both Mm. ends of the spectrum, young workers in terms of like offering them technical courses, but also by reforming the scheme, it could help 
uh, workers over the age of 25 who can then access forms of other, you know, accredited training and skills. Um, so do you think mm, that mm. in reforming the system that this could be taking away kind of, I guess, key promotion and expenditure from apprenticeships, which have always been advertised as... Again, oh, that's such a tough question. I, I, I do believe that apprenticeships in their best form are more than worthy alternatives to university, for sure. Um, and actually, I was, it, it makes me think back to, well, I think one of the first Inside mm-hmm. HR webinars we, we did was, it was definitely the first one we did specifically on apprenticeships right. was in the summer of 2015. Um, and we had mm-hmm. a training provider, BPP, as our partner. We had, mm-hmm. the, the case study was JP Morgan. And I ended up interviewing a young woman. Yeah. I think she was about 20, 21. And she had opted to, uh, for an apprenticeship at JP Morgan mm-hmm. over going to university, which at the time I think was quite a controversial decision. She said her parents are very supportive, but in, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of her friends went on to university and, and, yeah. and some of them were quite surprised at why she didn't. Um, it, so it was quite a controversial decision for her to make. And she was just the most wonderful apprenticeships can achieve and what they can be. And she said that she felt better equipped to progress having gone through their um, sort of apprenticeship intake program than a lot right. of JP Morgan's graduate intake, um, you know, who were often then slower to adapt to JP Morgan's way of working. And, and it was it was a really, really positive message mm-hmm. about the power of apprenticeships. And and, yeah. and I think in their best form, they are still a wonderful alternative to mm-hmm. university degrees, um, you know, and, and really provide really sort of industry specific skills on the job skills training. And and they can they can be really, really powerful, but but they have to be done in the right way. And again, Mm-hmm. If you make the levy more flexible, mm-hmm. do you drain resources from that? I don't know. I, I, it's it's possible. It's possible. But again, like with all these things, that's not to say that you know. Yes, apprenticeships work in in a certain way, and and like that, it's it's possible. It's possible. But again, like with all these things, that's not to say that you know. Yes, apprenticeships work in in a certain way, and and like that, and they they definitely mm-hmm. worked for for that for that young person, but. There are lots of other ways you can you can do it as well. I think I think it has to be about a general message about organisations, industry being a lot more invested and a lot more engaged mm-hmm. with education and with young people. And if there are multiple pathways into doing that, not just apprenticeships, mm-hmm. but obviously now we've got traineeships, we've got yeah. flexible apprenticeships, we've got other things. I, I I'm not necessarily against that I think that's great but obviously like with all systems it has to work and it has to work in the right way and it has to incentivize businesses Mm -hmm. to do the right things and 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 again it it is the current is the levy in its current form Mm -hmm. universally doing that the the answer to that is a certain no absolutely not and it needs to improve and it needs to improve Mm -hmm. urgently but it can organizations approach it the right way it really can do so i'm i'd be open to seeing right. the levy become more flexible but i'd obviously the, yeah the devil i think it'll be, be really in interesting sure. to see how that plays out and i imagine you know even if uh the levy was kind of changed or reformed before the pandemic now we're entering a completely new working mm. world and i think it will be a bit of trial and error mm. for organizations to figure out what works and uh, i guess how to incentivize 
Yeah, and it's been really hard. It's been really hard for organisations to mm-hmm. to bring in apprentices during the pandemic, for sure. You know, so so I know that some of those numbers were yeah. from 2017 to 2019, so they weren't including the pandemic. But I know that there will mm-hmm. have been a, an inevitable drop off during the last year. So yeah, there may be now. There's a window. There's an opportunity here mm-hmm. to sort of assess the new normal and and, and see right. how the levy can best suit that. So yeah, we should we should all sort of uh, watch on, all sort of uh, watch on, and you know with eager anticipation. Mm. Well, see, on and see what on that hopeful with. note and and kind of positive note, I think that wraps up our topic of L and D quite nicely. I think it's kind of fair to say, and I'm sure you'll agree, James, that HR teams will really have their work cut out for them when it comes to designing new L and D strategies, which are fit for purpose in in our new world. But I think as we said, through trial and error, but also engaging with employees and, you know, assessing how they feel about them. Mm. Um, uh, Companies will eventually find Mm. the most effective ways of of delivering training. Um, I I just want to say a massive Mm. thank you, James, for joining me on the show today. It was such a pleasure. It was such a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure. No, thank you so much. Thank you. So it's it's nice to be the person. Well, I guess it's slightly strange not being the interviewer. No, I think yeah. all the points that you raised today, I think, will be really useful for our audience to consider moving forward. Um, and and I think yeah, I think a really great discussion. Um, if you do want to hear more from Thank James, you. James also, as we did mention earlier, he does host our webinars run by um, HR Review called Inside HR. We do have one um, coming up this Thursday, the eighth of April which is about rethinking workplace diversity uh-huh. and harnessing an effective um, DNI strategy when it comes to recruitment. Um, but we also have one on the 22nd of April, which covers the benefits of fluid workforce management. Um, otherwise, if you're interested in learning anything more about, you know, learning and development, apprenticeships or any other topics linked to HR, please head over to our website, hrreview.co.uk. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast, HR in Review, and we hope to see you in two weeks' time where we'll be continuing the discussion on the most relevant HR topics. See you then. The HR in Review podcast is brought to you by hrreview.co.uk. hrreview.co.uk is a website dedicated to human resources and related professionals. News items are posted daily together with analysis looking in-depth at topical HR issues. You can sign up for our range of specialist newsletters at hrreview.co.uk slash sign up and follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thank you for listening.